Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. I am excited to kick off the new year with this segment today. Happy New Year, everyone. Again, I am your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing Cherie Acosta. Cherie resides in Houston, Texas, and she battles Sjogren's, rheumatoid arthritis, Raynaud's, interstitial cystitis, and morphia. Today, she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with these autoimmune diseases and how she manages her symptoms. Also, she will give us some tips, if she has any, on what may help you all out there to live life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases. Let's get started. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you so much for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Sherry. <laughs> um, Cherie, can you, again, tell our listeners the name of your autoimmune diseases and share your story with us regarding when these autoimmune diseases showed up in your life? Sure, yes. Thanks for having me. Um, I have interstitial cystitis, and which is a chronic bladder inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. Sjogren, uh, as you mentioned, RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Raynaud's and morphia, as well as hypocalcemia. And uh, they pretty much showed up very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was about 26, uh, I started having some uh, bladder issues and so forth. So started early and then uh, just started adding autoimmune diseases as I went along. <laughs> <laughs> well, what symptoms did you have in the beginning before you were diagnosed with them? I know you said that you started having some bladder issues at 26 and... What else yeah. type symptoms? Um, well, in my mid-20s, you know, when I started having these issues that were like, I thought I had bladder infections, and I had these other episodes of retention mm-hmm. in which I basically couldn't empty my bladder, and I had to go to an emergency room for a catheter, and I thought, you know, something's going on here. Uh, I had a lot of pelvic pain, frequency, and I would just use the bathroom every 30 minutes, which, would, you know, made it really difficult. Right. Uh, this was back in the early 90s, so it was kind of a harder time to figure out what's going on, um, and I'm sure my experience is probably pretty typical for many women. I saw a myriad of doctors who, you know, constantly dismissed my symptoms mm-hmm. or just diagnosed me, <laughs> um, but eventually my mom had actually seen, and this is, tells you, you know, back in the day, an article uh, about interstitial cystitis and asked me, you know, you might want to bring this up to, with your urologist, which I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, they diagnosed me through a, a scope where they do a hydrodistension and they can see all the scar tissue and, you know, if your bladder is shrunk and so forth, and they give you a diagnosis at that time, uh, which I did. And um, I the first kind of treatment they give you is... Uh, bladder installations, which are not fun, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. Um, of them at home. And uh, they just didn't work too well. Um, But I tried to advocate for myself with, you know, joining support groups, um, you know, herbal remedies, acupuncture studies at Baylor. I mean, (laughs) you, you, you know, you, you name it, I've I've done it probably. and uh, unfortunately, I, I was a teacher at the time, and I had a two-year-old, and being in the classroom was really tough because I would have to leave constantly, mm-hmm. and 
know, you can't really do that. So I had to working at that point for a brief time. Um, and eventually, um, it it was sort of a, a strange thing. Um, at the time, you know, pain management was not a thing, um, that was, you know, really utilized much. Um, but one of my doctors sent me to a pain management doctor Mm -hmm. and, um, he said, you know, we need to address your pain because this is sort of, uh, getting into your pain pathways and sort of staying there. And so for about a year, I was on some pain, uh, medication, which I was really grateful for because at that point it sort of broke the cycle, Yes. Uh, you know, and it was also something available to me. It was like mentally, uh, you, you know, helped me to know if I'm really bad and I would hardly take much of it, but I knew it was there, you know, something to give you uh, some relief. Yeah. So you can get some relief, even if it's for a short time, but Eventually, uh, a few years later, I had a hysterectomy and I was given um, estrogen, Mm -hmm. which improved my symptoms quite a bit. Um, But at that time, I was diagnosed with uh, Sjogren's because, and uh, those of your listeners who have Sjogren's will know it's a a very systemic disease. So you can start off with uh, really dry eyes, dry mouth, Mm -hmm. brain fog. Um, a lot of dental issues, so you think, you know, what am I doing wrong here? You know, why am I losing teeth or having root canals and things? Um, so I, I got that diagnosis, and then often, as you know, with autoimmune diseases, uh, you tend to get others. Right. So that, you know, where I then developed the osteoarthritis in my uh, probably late 30s, I got the osteoarthritis, and then into my 40s, the rheumatoid arthritis. Uh and then probably about five years, I got the Raynaud's, which causes your hands and feet to turn red, you know, kind of yes. go cold. Yes. Um, I'm sure you know about that. And uh, and then the morphia, which is kind of an odd illness. Most people haven't heard of it, but it's, it's a cousin to scleroderma, but it's not systemic scleroderma. It just affects your skin. I saw that. Uh, I was doing some reading about that when you had told me that you had morphia because I had never heard of it. But um, that's, yeah. that's interesting that it, it's it's kind of like scleroderma. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. They have to like kind of retest you and make sure you don't have this, the, a different form of it that mm-hmm. can be. But fortunately, I don't. Um, so I just just to have a patch that, you know, goes when I flare, kind of goes crazy and then doesn't, you know, how that goes. Right. <laughs> But uh, about uh, a few years ago, about maybe three years ago, they diagnosed me also with a condition called hyperparathyroidism. Um, You you have these little four parathyroid glands that sit by your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And they determined that they were kind of not working properly, which I guess is not good later. And they can actually cause a lot of things like fatigue and brain fog and so I thought oh well maybe this is you know why what this is all going on mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fibromyalgia could actually be hyperparathyroid um, and a lot of people will just have like a little tumor on one of them which I thought I would have but I didn't I had three blood all of them were pretty bad so they just took three out and left me with one but um, during that my vocal fold was paralyzed um 
because they the monitoring equipment failed that day. And so every one of us that were <laughs> operated on uh, lost our voice. Wow. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm back about 80%, but I, I had no voice for like six months. Um, oh my goodness. Here, yeah, but um, it sort of left me with the hypocalcemia, which is where if I don't take calcium about every six hours, my face will go numb and my feet will cramp up, that kind of thing. So it's left me with a little bit, I think, worse off than it was before. Oh, wow, yes. Oh, my goodness. You've been through a lot, it sounds like. Um, yeah. Now that you know that you have these diseases, how do you uh, manage your symptoms? Is it just with medications that you use or... Well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm really intentional. Um, I, I have to be on top of the medication um, and sleep and rest. Mm -hmm. um, and challenging because, and you know, when you're, when you're chronically ill, you spend so much time dealing with doctors or, yes. you know, visits and, and things. It's like you never get a break, you yeah. know, and really intentionally, you know, not schedule appointments at certain times. And, um, but I, I manage by also giving myself breaks. Now I'm retired, so I can do this, which is not as possible if you're not in that position, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. But I found that bringing down stress and getting enough rest, um, I, I really force myself to lay down midday, even if it's for a short time. I've also used um, lymphatic massage um, and pelvic floor therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and really what's helped me the most, I would say, um, and, and this is probably with the RA, is exercise. Um, I discovered chair yoga. <laughs> and, you know, I thought I can't do yoga. I can't bend, you know, and do all this. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, it's really been great and I can do it on YouTube or I can go to a gym. Um, but I've had to learn to really pace myself, um, especially with my hands and, um, having, you know, been a designer before and not being able to do some of the things that I enjoy doing. I just, I do them, but I do them. I, I do less of them <laughs> and take more breaks. So I think that's awesome that you are, definitely into you know making sure that you have your self-care you know that you're you know um making sure that you're taking breaks for yourself and you know because really auto i say it all the time autoimmune diseases they feed off of stress so definitely it's important to try to find ways to reduce stress if you can so i i, I think that's great that that those are things that you're doing to help yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's and really a game changer. Uh, not having constant stress, I have less flares than I did before. Yes, yes. What challenges have you faced physically and mentally? Not only physically, I I, I ask mentally as well because um, definitely our, our mental health is affected by these autoimmune diseases as well um, since you've been battling these diseases. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the mental battle is sometimes bigger than the physical one. Mm -hmm. Initially, you know, when I was diagnosed, I know you were diagnosed really young too. 26. I, yeah, 26. 
about BHI was, you know, I was just, I just could not accept that something was wrong with me. I just, I just was determined I'm going to be normal. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to teach. I'm going to direct large musicals. I'm going to so constantly, I'm going to push myself constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, looking back, I don't regret some of those things, but I, I would have slowed down. You know, my body was trying to tell me to slow, to slow down. Right. Uh, but really for me mentally, um, I've had to learn how to control what I can control. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually have more control than I think I do. <laughs> you know, I can control how much I sleep. I can control what I eat. I control how much I, you know, work out, um, you know, how much stress I have. There's more in, in my area of control than I used to think that I had. Right. Uh, You know, and I know many of your listeners and and yourself included have probably been through a lot of medical trauma. Yes. Which, you know, for example, last time I had surgery, I had asked for a catheter ahead of time. And when I woke up, it was not there. And I went into retention and a lot of pain. And, you know, they don't listen. And they finally put one in. Mm Mm-hmm home with it but the doctor refused to remove it <laughs> and I couldn't find anyone to remove the catheter because uh, they hadn't placed it so my gynecologist wouldn't do it you know so I had to get on a YouTube video and remove it myself and that kind of thing you know is it can be really traumatic yeah but um, what I what I've done is sort of try to reframe that and say you know look I advocated for myself I took care of it myself you know, I do yeah. have power. <laughs> you still have, you still have, yeah, you're, you're, you still have power over your body. That's the thing. That's what people fail to realize. Yeah, there's more, there's more there. Um, and one thing I do too, you know, and part of autoimmune is handling flares, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what will kind of push me over the edge. You know, I'm in a flare and I have to really think of these affirmations that I have for myself, which are, you know, basically this won't last forever because it feels like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and just accept and nurture myself. You know, it's kind of like at the beginning of all of this, I felt like I was fighting this big bear all the time Yes. and fighting it. And then, you know, if you just invite the bear into the cave and mm-hmm. give food and feed the bear, you know, and then it relaxes, and then you can kind of, you know, move forward mentally. Um, physically, for me, I think my joints have been kind of challenging, but mm-hmm. I just adapt. You know, I have a grabber that I can <laughs> use or ask someone to open a jar for me right. or, you know, the thing. Right, and, and that's the thing, too, uh, with these autoimmune diseases. You have to learn to accept help um and i say that because i'm very stubborn myself and um when i first was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease um i didn't want to ask for help um i wanted to still say you know i wanted to still believe that i could still do everything and you know you have to realize at some point that you know it's okay to let other people help you, you know, um, they, so I feel like that's very important to point out because I think especially being young, you know, being diagnosed at 26, like you had said, you know, you didn't think it was, you know, 
something that was just life-changing that's that's about to happen to you or that's happening to you and um you know at 26 you think you're you know this invincible person because you're so young but um you know it it, it does happen it ha i mean they things come yeah. out of things come out of the blue they come out of nowhere um you know and at at that point you have to give yourself some grace and accept help from people when they when they're when they're offering it yeah and you know that that whole idea of acceptance um you know a lot of the pain is at least for me emotionally and with mental health is in not in that space of not accepting it mm -hmm. it's struggle and it when you move over to the acceptance side you can just leave that right right I absolutely agree. Um, what are some of the significant changes that you've had to make in your daily routine in order to adapt to having your illnesses? Well, you know, having recently retired, um, you know, nobody tells you when you stop working due to illness that your illness will become your work <laughs> mm -hmm. and that no longer have the distraction of work, if that makes sense. So right. it's kind of like, focus is a little too much so you have to expand out of that so mm -hmm. I've had to really try to expand my life instead of contract my life so um, I really foster friendships um, I do projects I slow down uh, I don't have the energy I used to have and that's okay I just plan ahead for one day at a time yes sometimes hour at a time you know uh, and I make small goals. I do projects for myself. And then, and if I can't complete it that day, fine. I'll do it the next day. Um, I kind of have this also, and, and this works for me, but I do this 20-minute approach thing where for at least 20 minutes a day, I go outside. Mm -hmm. I read for 20 minutes a day. I journal, sleep, or meditate for 20 minutes. And then I at least exercise for 20 minutes. And... All those things help structure my day, and they also help me kind of get out of my own mind, if that makes sense. It does. It, it definitely does. And I think that that is so important and that it's great that you have these hobbies that, um, that you have because it's so easy to just become so focused and centered on your disease. And that's not good. It's, it's not good for your mental health uh, whatsoever. You need to have other things in your life that you can focus on outside of being sick because you don't want to let your illness define you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, so pivotal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's kind of stuck in there for a little while and mm -hmm. that, and, you know, identification, but then you eventually can, you know, try to move away from that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. What do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know? Well, you know, there is a lot of grief, as we talked about, involved in dealing with, you know, chronic pain and illness. But once you get to a point where you realize there's really nothing flawed about you, you know, your right. body can be experiencing symptoms, but your essence, you know, who you are as a person is the same mm -hmm. or even stronger. You know, due to what you've gone through. Right. So I would just say, speak up and share your experience with others. You know, when I was first diagnosed, I was really 
angry at my body for betraying me. You mm-hmm. know, I was and just frustrated and in fear of the future. But then, you know, I realized that most of that pain was in my unacceptance. So, you know, every day we have to accept where we are and control what we can control. And some days I have to do this over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. I totally agree with you. Um, Acceptance is key because if you if if you stay in that, you know, sense of, of, you know, non-acceptance, then you're never going to, you know, it's it you're never going to be able to just to just let go and and just, you know, thrive. So I, I think that acceptance is key, like you said. Yeah, I totally agree. Sheree, I know that you are a retired costume design professor, which is really neat. I thought that was really cool. Um, And you completed an exhibit uh, called Beautiful Affliction that looks at the invisibility of the disease. So, which is perfect, you know, autoimmune disease. I mean, that's exactly what it is, Um, which was in the Houston Health Museum and in New York and in Paris. Uh, France. Um, can you tell us more about the exhibit? Sure. Yeah, I was teaching uh, at Lamar University near Houston, and in about 2017, I came across these just amazing photographs of cellular disease by Norman Barker, a pathologist at Johns Hopkins, and I was really fascinated, you know, at this physical manifestation of disease, like right in my face, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Autoimmune disease is invisible. I can't see what's going on inside my body. You right. Know? Um, yeah, and I thought, you know, I really want to bring that forward and take something devastating like disease and reframe it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I uh, got permission with, with Norman. He collaborated with me as well as Travis Prokop, a dance professor at the university. And we created a performance art piece with dance that looks at the notion of invisibility and diagnosis. So I printed these photos of different diseases on silks uh, digitally. Mm -hmm. And the linings, I I did some different dye techniques, and I built these Grecian gowns. I wanted to go back to the Grecian ideal of beauty and the fact that the art of medicine was developed in the Grecian times. So... Mm -hmm. And so in this piece, the dancers basically enter the stage and the dresses are hung from the rafters and this doctor character um, places these dresses on the dancers. Um, And at the end of the dance, there's this really large skirt that's finally placed on the final dancer and she climbs up these silks that we have hanging at the very top. Uh, It's just all really symbolic. And initially we did the performance at Lamar University and then it was exhibited in um, Paris at the Arts and Humanities Conference and then um, became part of a work called um, The Body as a Work of Art at the Houston Health Museum, which was a collaboration between other um, artists as well. Um, we filmed the dance and then it was played in the theater there and as well as on monitors above the dresses which were exhibited. Mm-hmm. And after that, then uh, in 2019, it moved to uh, one of the SUNY campuses in New York for an exhibit there. And uh, I had planned on doing another piece uh, in which I was going to take the instruments of disease and refabricate them into beautiful gowns, such Mm -hmm. as 
uh, you know, catheters and you know, all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. um, I had to retire. So yeah, I understand. <laughs> In my head, though. <laughs> I mean, you did a beautiful job. You sent me the link, and I watched it, and it was just wow. It was it was beautiful. the ho- The whole thing was beautiful. It portrayed um, autoimmune disease perfectly. Um, the the movements of the dancers, how it looked like that they were they were battling something internally, but they looked beautiful on the outside, like nothing was yeah. wrong. It, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was it was beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It was really a, a great experience to do, and and uh, I just feel like um, you know showing on the outside what's on the inside is important. I feel it, it definitely is, and. Um, I was going to ask you how can people take a look at Beautiful Affliction if they want to check it out, but I was thinking, would you mind if I just put the link in the uh, bio, in the uh, in the uh, on the podcast whenever I post the podcast? Yeah, that's perfect. That would be great. And is there anything else that you would like to add to today's segment? Um, just to say that you know, really, my work with the Beautiful Affliction was just to bring that hidden suffering and the visibility of illness out in the open, you know? Mm-hmm. So at least for me, I, I felt a sense of shame or wanting to hide my illness. You know, I, I didn't want others to think of me as weak or less able to do the work that I wanted to do. And I decided, no, I, you know, this is a struggle that we need to normalize. And uh, yes, we may be quote unquote complicated when we go to a doctor, but that's okay. We can embrace that complexity, right? Right. Uh, and we need to tell our stories, especially women, because we're much less represented in medical research. And I feel like that needs to change. <laughs> I, t- I totally agree with you. Um, you know, 100%. I totally agree. <clears throat> and Cherie, I just appreciate you so much for just coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and and just connecting with you. Oh, no worries. I enjoyed it very much. It was great to, sh- to share our experiences together. Absolutely. And and that's how we learn from each other. So, you know, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I know this interview really educated and helped a lot of listeners out there. And remember, if you have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. Again, that's the silent battle, 2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Thanks again, Cherie, and everyone have a great rest of the day. You're welcome. Thanks.